0: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account, go to squarespace.com and use the code NERDIST. And now, on with the program.
1: Now entering Nerdist.com.
2: Are
3: you gonna do ads? Seems like your show would work well for
2: Audible. Audible approached me. I want to see how it goes for a little bit. I yeah, would love I to, not, to not have to do it, yeah, if I can. But it's it's really tempting. We're experimenting. It's like, yeah, it's, it pays for you know your costs and stuff like that. It's like <coughs> oh, that's was Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I had to sneeze. But we'll see. I mean. So far, I'm not at the point where it's an economic hardship, you know. So, <laughs> I've not used up all my uh, all my space, so uh, you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah, we're on it. We it took us about 25 episodes before we yeah. before we were like, you know, it'd be nice to get some, you know. because we do work on this. Yeah, absolutely, week. absolutely. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Paul F. Tompkins is in my house. <laughs> oh, no. literally, he literally, oh, literally, literally yeah. in my house. In your house. Uh, <laughs> in in my house. Uh, Paula Tompkins, thank you for coming to my house and being on the, uh, the Nerds
2: podcast. Thank you for
0: having me. I've been so excited. I've been wanting you to come on for so long, and I'm glad that you were in New York for a while, and then you moved mm-hmm. back. That's and That's true. And then. Uh, now, you tried wishing on a
2: star that I would be on the show. I did wish on a star. It's an ineffective booking policy. God damn it. Are you serious? I found out the hard way. <sighs> no,
0: I'm not going to get Ian Holm on the show. <laughs> Four people are going to know who Ian Holm is. One of them is Ian Holm. <laughs> ah, I was neat. very excited to hear myself on the Nerdist podcast. <laughs> That's my Ian Holm. Imp- I'm, I'm only one of two Ian Holm impersonators uh, in the Ian Northern Hemisphere. The Ian Holm is the other one. He <laughs> a
2: recognition of himself.
0: Oh, uh, Ben Acker, Ben Acker, we did the Thrilling Adventure Hour last night.
2: As of this recording, that was just last that, night. Yes,
0: but now, by the time this goes up in a, in a week Months. or whatever, it's it'll happy be... Happy anniversary! <laughs> Back in
2: 2010!
0: Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we did Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is an amazing mm-hmm. live radio performance. Yes. And it's incredible. Um, uh, and you, you're, you're a regular on the show, yes. as is uh, Autumn Reaser from mm. who is in, uh, fantastic. She's terrific. Uh, as is Paget Brewster, mm-hmm. and uh, and a bunch of ama- uh, incredible actors, and... Ben, uh, Acker and Blacker, the writing team of Acker and Blacker.
2: The mm-hmm. improbably named Ben Acker and Ben
0: Blacker. <laughs> yeah, they both named Ben and their names rhyme. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they, uh, ben Acker was telling me last night a Frank Nelson story that many years ago, which he said Sergio Aragones had told. <laughs> So it gets Frank, weird. I'm
2: trying to remember who Frank Nelson. is. He was like, yes. kinda, yeah, that guy. Okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. He, he hated, uh, hated Mr. Flintstone. Huh. Ooh, Mr. <laughs> Flintstone. Right. Ooh, Mrs. Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> there was some show years ago, like decades ago, and they wanted to. Uh, they put out a casting thing for a Frank Nelson sound alike, and and I think Sir Aragonis was like. Well, why don't you just get Frank Nelson? And so they made <laughs> Frank Nelson audition. Wow. So Frank Nelson goes into a room, and he's with all these Frank Nelson sound-alikes. And at the last minute, they changed direction, so they had to come out and say... uh Mr. Nelson, and he did the
2: yes, uh, and, then when, when, and the
0: entire room full of impersonators just stood up and applauded. <laughs> and then when they were leaving, they were like,
2: "After you, no, no after okay. you, oh, okay. okay."
0: So that was the that was a wonderful entertainment business story wow. that I heard last night.
2: That I I auditioned for a commercial recently, and I I had sworn after the last commercial audition I had, I said, "I'm never doing this again," They're because the worst. Uh, commercial auditions, if people don't know. Uh, because it's because it's advertising. There's no pretense that there's any art to oh, acting no. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. no, that is yeah. completely dropped. And the way you're treated is like. Uh, everybody who's going to be the guy behind the counter, go stand over there. <laughs> Excuse me, can I? No, no questions. No, no. Yeah. Be quiet. Hold on a second. I'm giving orders here. You're trash. <laughs> the people that walk up to the counter, you stand over there. So it, you really are treated like garbage. Yeah, and you're, in this, you're in,
0: in this like holding pen. Yes. With and the and worst seats ever. Well, the like, worst. Like oh, they're like benches. benches yeah. And then it's like
2: Ellis Island.
0: <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> no, no. It's like an Ellis Island for yeah. sadness they and They throw and, a and lie on you. Yes. They give you a lie bath. Oh, Island. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to start a new life after after commercial Ellis no. Island.
3: You're going to possibly end your life. Yeah.
0: With a less ethnic last name. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right, at the feet, right at the feet of Lady Unliberty. <laughs> There's like a whole... There's one section of kids are auditioning yeah. for some, so fucking yeah. kids are running around everywhere. Sports. Yeah, yeah. People are reading
2: their sides yeah. out loud. There's like five guys in lab coats because yeah. they're bringing their own lab coats to the doctor audition. It was the. I never knew if I
0: should. Dre- Am I always a cowboy? Should I put a hat on? And then like you I mustn't. hate that moment. You mustn't. The last it commercial. It feels bad. The last commercial audition I ever had was, um, and then I stopped going on them. But I went into the room, and they always, they, a lot of times, they'll give you crazy direction that you can't possibly implement. Yeah. Uh, so they'll go, uh, this, this, was, this was what the guy said. All right, so you're sitting in your room, you're hanging out, you got a poster of a superhero on the wall, then he comes out of the poster and just walks across the room, and then you just react to that, <laughs> just fucking go. Right. Like, I would shit the yeah. stomach lining out of my body yeah. because <laughs> that could
2: not happen. Yeah. You would, you would start like tears of fright would stream down your face. And after what the- is happening to the world?
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> what
2: dude, that
3: can happen? That's a thing now. Yeah, but all they yeah. really want in the end is just uh, you going, "Oh." That's yeah,
4: all they're
0: going to exactly. use the guy that does Gogurt. The- yeah. Or whatever it was. <laughs> so uh, what is it? So what happened? Oh, I I did it and then I, I I wanted to shower afterwards, and I, and <laughs> and. But I'm sure there was some eager young, you know, uh, new Hollywood uh, transplant who was yeah. just all eager to. No, it's all about auditioning, man, <laughs> and yes. being my super personality. You yourself out there; you got to, everyone's got to see you. Do you still? You, so you don't still commercial audition anymore?
2: No, I did one recently because uh, the, the 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 casting director had. Asked for me, mm-hmm. and uh, the one commercial I ever did, it was the same casting agency, and the commercial never aired. So I was like, "This guy's nice enough, and he's a uh, the, uh, he's a friend of a director, friend of mine, uh, whom I worked with." So I said, "Okay, I'll I'll go in," and uh, it was. It's like one of those things where they're giving me so much direction. I've never been given this much direction for anything that I actually had the job for. You know? and it was like all these different ways. And then I realized, oh, they don't know what they want. And so they're using me to try out a bunch of different stuff mm-hmm. before they give somebody else the job. <laughs> right. But I am helping them figure out the direction of the character. And guess what? You don't get paid for that. No. That's work. Like, I'm working now for these people. And also helping free. them,
0: almost kind of helping them to write their thing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they might take things from yeah. me. You, yeah, if you, if you improvise in auditions, a lot of times oh, yeah. they'll just fucking take it. Yeah, but yeah. That doesn't,
3: that's not just like commercial auditions. That's like that's like other, I've, se- I've seen that happen where it's like, hey, we're doing this kind of improv uh, show Idea mm-hmm. come in with character ideas and yeah.
0: situations. Wait, so yeah. by improv show, you mean you haven't written it yet and you're just going to take all the impro- improvised scenes from actors who come in? Is that exactly, what you mean? Yeah, that's
3: exactly what it feels like. So I always kind of opt out of those because it's like it feels weird. Like yeah. you're going to do this work, you're going to write some uh, material, and then you're going to just give it to them yeah. for no, no reason at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. And no no appreciation. No <laughs> <reason>. <laughs> they don't care. Funny. Thanks. All right. <laughs> yeah. Get out. Did you write that down? Did you write that down? <laughs> um, <laughs> Paul Tompkins, uh, yes, you know, I I, really, boy, I wish we had like three hours to talk because there's so much that I want to, there's so much I want to talk to you about We do. It. No, well, we don't. I mean, I, I mean
2: we can't, I can't be the first three-parter. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be in a row. You can parse them out over the course of the, <laughs> the rest of the year. September is Paul F. tomp So it's just like every oh, week is a different,
0: chapter <laughs> Early life. So uh, you are you are from Philadelphia. Indeed, like, do you, I'm going. To, I'm performing at Helium in a couple of weeks. There. It's a great
3: club. That's what I hear. Everybody's really nice. I saw you there once. You got me and uh, my girlfriend really? and her family there at
2: Helium in Philadelphia.
3: Yeah, yeah. it was like I uh, kind
2: of remember that. What were you doing there?
3: I was like I was uh, I was I was visiting my girlfriend's family and like uh, and then like you got us all in. I was just like randomly looking through the paper and saw you're performing. <laughs> And like I texted you, I, don't, I we barely knew each other. But I was like, "Hey, I'm with my girlfriend and her four uh, family members. Do you think we could get into your show?" He goes, yeah, come on down. Good yeah, show. I mean,
2: it's well, thank you very yes. much. <laughs> um, it, it it's one of those things where you know I have I still have a lot of family and friends in Philadelphia, but it was I think I was doing like f- four nights or something like that. Yeah. So it was. uh yeah, you know, there's a lot of people to get in there, so okay. it was not exactly like ah, oh, all my comps are spoken for. It's like no, there's plenty. I, I, still, need, <laughs> I still need people to come see the show. Now, see, yeah. for
0: you to say a comedy club is good, it must be an actual good comedy club.
2: No, it was that that it's a relatively new club. You know, when I, when I played it, I think it had only been open a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really nicely set up. The staff is great. It's in a nice part of town. Um, and where they put you up is close to a lot of things. So the Rocky it's, Statue, it's really nice. It's not close to the Rocky Statue. I'm sorry. God damn. <laughs> that is your, it's your it. number one. What is the point? And, well, and, well, it's cool Small it's, enough town, you can get there in, in a few minutes.
3: What was cool about seeing you there, though, was because like, I had seen you so much at the bar and more of the alternative rooms in L.A. And yeah, then to see you like do a long set in and like oh, that's true. Club, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. Like, it was like there was really no difference. Uh, yeah. Like,
0: yeah, you just kind of did. That is the disadvantage uh, to, to one of the, one of the many disadvantages to just doing comedy in L.A. Is that you never <laughs> get to see your friends or people that you like do. Long sets. You only That's see true. you yeah. only see ten or twelve minute sets. Yeah. That is true. And like getting to see Bamford at the improv that night do like 45 minutes, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's yeah. so wonderful to actually get a sense of what her long form yeah, set that, is. Like, yeah, it's like
3: you just get a better sense of who they are and like their comedy, just it fits better in longer form. You yeah. Know? It's like unless it's a guy just doing like quick jokes, jokey jokes, it's like, you know, like you need a longer set for most comics out here. So yeah, yeah the better ones how, but,
0: I don't I don't know how the two-line joke comics survive in an hour-long set. I mean, I know they do. I just don't like that 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 I because I can't write those kinds of jokes so no, I, no, I don't I okay, don't really right. I don't really understand that's
2: so much stuff that you have to write yeah yeah to fill, up, to fill up sixty minutes to write of one liners that's a lot of material and
0: yeah. they're all like hit or miss you know like I feel like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you yeah, they're yeah. Hit, like a two line joke is hit or miss yeah and yeah. that's yeah. that's it yeah so for the the all the ones that you have to write to put together an hour <laughs> there's probably. Eight times more well, than you. Yeah.
3: The type of people that do one liners, though, it's like they usually have the personality type where even if it doesn't hit, they still have that kind of cocky, like it doesn't matter because there's another one
0: on the way.
2: I of. guess it, it's easier if uh, you realize you'll never throw any material out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. I don't care.
3: I didn't <laughs> get a
2: laugh. It stays in. Yeah. <laughs> I need to fill time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it's a bad joke. You're
3: going to get rid of it? No, I'm just going to put it between two good jokes. Yeah, I'll bury it <laughs> in the middle. you going to do totally any crowd calm. work?
0: Heavens, no. <laughs> Heavens, no. no. Show no. my
3: personality?
0: No. <laughs> No, no. It's basically two or three hundred jokes per minute.
3: (laughs) (laughs) My friend friend said like a like like late nineties he opened up for uh, Emo Phillips in Texas, and he said uh, Emo had like a huge water jug with his like set. Like he needed a big thing to put his set list on. (laughs) And so like to like the audience, it was funny that he had this really big thing of water to drink from. But like as he was doing it, he would like check out his set. And like, but like, he needed something that big because he like didn't want to like. Have would it. he
2: Would he take a sip from this gigantic jug after every joke? No,
3: I think I think it's just more of like a, just to check in and see where he's at in the set. But surely,
2: surely, there was some other way of pl- <laughs> placing a set. Nope, just a jug, <laughs> just a jug. <laughs> I've really look, you guys have crunched the numbers. The only way I can get through this, I have to tape a piece of paper to a, coal, to a water jug. <clears throat>
0: So you're, you can't bring that through
2: security to get on the plane. Yeah. No, no, no! You don't understand. This contains my set list. Yeah. That's why emo has that one really muscular arm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like the character from Lady in the Water. Oh God! Why would I reference that movie?
2: I don't know. I, oh, no, I take no, it back. I take it back. I regret it. I regret Is it. Wait, a, a character in that movie has one big arm?
0: Yeah, Freddie. Um, he's the guy from. Six, he's one of the guys from Six Feet Under. And oh, Freddy oh. the big arm
2: man. Yeah,
0: and, 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 and in Lady in the Water he's just worked out one arm and so he just has this massive arm does that come in handy at some point? Uh, not really. Does the scrawny arm come in handy at some point? <laughs> no, much like many of the twist. plot points don't come hold in handy a, at that all. What a nice
2: Shyamalan twist. It was the skinny arm that all saved All our arms are too big to fit through that opening. Here's how, <laughs> no, here's,
0: here's, here's what a bummer that movie was. All of the exposition, the only way that they could get it across was an old Asian lady who was just remembering parts of the fable, and she would forget and then remember. Oh. And that's how it would drive the story. So, like, some stuff would happen, and then this girl would come out and go... My grandmother just remember another part ah, of the story. Right. Oh, wow. So it turns out and then like two page monologue of exposition. Wow. wow. Yeah. That makes me want to see this movie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I have avoided. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you've made the right choice up to now. Uh, I you know we were talking about sponsorships earlier on, Paul, yes. and and I would like to now demonstrate. That was unfair. They didn't know that we
4: talking about
0: sponsorships really. Now I don't know they if I'm do. I'm not going to keep that uh, in. Yeah, I might saying, keep that in. I'm just this podcast. No, that was before we started recording. This podcast is raw, man. <laughs> you started. think because you got Fair eye enough.
2: surgery, you can just uh, be all cool or whatever? I didn't.
4: I just left them in the car. <laughs> what? So I'm just like...
3: We were steps away from the car. I... It's like, I forgot my glasses in the car. Was like you could
2: just... Lazy
0: I'm not you just took over. over. I'm not going back there. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Back there? Where you can see? Let's see. Walk <laughs> or see? <That's> so um, so, uh, this is, a, this is a new sponsor on the podcast. Uh, is this the Fox first come. time? This is the first time it's they're going to be on history. here. History. I, I, I should put in some music. No, no, something a little more upbeat. All right. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh Jonah, did you know that... See, I can't even do it that way. I can't even do it that way. This is just like the old radio show days. Yeah, yeah. Where you, but you would, you would literally only have 40 seconds. So you couldn't justify it too much. I'm sorry, you were talking? You were saying something? Right? Yeah, I was saying that Squarespace.com is the fast and easy way to create and manage a high-quality website or blog. What's that website name again? Squarespace.com. <laughs> Squarespace.com. Squarespace.com. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, Squarespace is really cool. I, I know that Kevin Pereira uh, had originally turned me on to Squarespace, um, and what's cool about it is that you don't have to really know how to re- program a blog, or you, you can be a beginner, or you—it's a very simple platform. I don't think you really need to know any HTML. Also, if you have hypertext markup blog, language, if you have an existing blog, you can put all of it into there, in and it will form. You could, you could. You get a, a photo, photo gallery. You get form builders. You get Google Maps. Permission access handling. There are hundreds of design templates to choose from. God damn it!
2: Is there a weather widget? <laughs> <laughs> also, what is that? What in I case you don't have a window, I need a <laughs> weather widget.
0: I need a. W- you want to look outside? No. Your glasses are in the car. I don't care. Anyway, you can use Squarespace for all of your website needs. You can build it, host it, and manage it. For a free trial, you can go to squarespace.com. There is no credit card needed, and you just have to try it out to build your website. And then if you decide to purchase it, you get 10% off Uh-oh. if you enter the coupon code
2: NERDIST. Please. Ten percent is just ninety percent away from a hundred. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know percentages, so it's practically a hundred percent off. <laughs> it's almost a
0: hundred percent off. Yeah,
2: I, was <laughs> it's almost I, 100% to off.
0: I mean, if you want to, if from a from, if you approach it from that angle, yeah, it is almost. I off. do, and I have. 100% <laughs> <Yeah. off. laughs> I think that was a pretty uh, average uh, take on that, and Smooth I'm sure and that silk. will not uh, they will not be returning as a sponsor. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Paul, uh, forget about them because you are the main focus of this podcast, and I, I want to talk you. about you've been you're an innovator in the in the field of breaking free from comedy clubs and performing in independent venues on your own. And uh, I would love for you to describe what happened when you came up with the Facebook 300.
2: Uh, sure, it was uh, completely an accident, um, and it was born out of uh, out of sarcasm. Actually, <laughs> um, I was in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia, and I was uh, I was recording uh, a, a an hour long special for Comedy Central, mm-hmm. uh, and I was going to do it at this. Little place called the Laughing Skull Lounge, great is, club. I'll be yeah. there in a couple. Of like months. I think it's these eighty people. Yep. Um,
0: and you do two shows a night, and then it fill, yeah, it's like nights. about the size yeah. of a regular club.
2: Yeah, and because the material I was doing was much more uh, personal and intimate, I thought, okay, I, this would be a great thing to do, and and also because you know most of the the comedy specials you see, uh, somebody does the, an hour long special, it's in like a great big theater, you mm-hmm. know, where there's a lot of Applause breaks and whooping and stuff like that. And I thought I, <laughs> I can't. This stuff is too. Like I talk about my mom dying. You know what I mean. So right. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't necessarily. It's not maybe whoop worthy. Yes, uh, exactly. It shouldn't be anyway. No, no. I, I think it would have hurt my feelings that people <laughs> would. Woo! So I, uh, I identify with that yeah, premise. Uh, my mom died too. Woo. <laughs> oh. So. um... So I, I went to this place and, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was a big thing to work out logistically, how it was going to work. And so finally that we, we figured it all out. Like, OK, so then I get to Atlanta, going to start doing shows and I find out that the shows are not sold out yet. And I started to panic, you know, I, I need to have an audience for this show.
0: <laughs> I, I kind of do. So I don't understand. So you're saying if you're going to shoot an hour-long comedy special, you want people in the room
2: to my react? Per- my personal preference yeah. is to have an audience there. Okay. I right. know people to, to each his own. It's a good way I'm to not, go. I'm not trying to tell people how to do comedy. No, 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 no. No. Um, so I, I took to the internet and uh, uh, on Twitter... I was telling people, look, I need, I need Atlanta to come out to these shows, please. Um, I, I need pretty much 300 people over the course of four nights mm-hmm. to come see me do stand-up at this place. And so uh, I was tweeting that and tweeting that, and people were retweeting it for me. And it was uh, this big flurry of uh, activity uh, on Twitter. And then in the midst of all that, this guy that I'd never met before, Bob Kerr, comedian from Toronto, Canada, uh, said, Hey, why don't you come to Toronto? And when you are trying to get people to go to one place, there's nothing more frustrating than somebody... Like, because how it comes across is, eh, forget that place. Just come where I am. Pick, pack your bags, get your cameras, yeah. get on a plane, get your passport. So I wrote to him and said, I don't think I even knew that he was a comedian at that point. It was just this guy telling me, why don't you come to Toronto? In a not funny way. In a not funny way. Okay. And so I wrote back to him... uh, through uh, through gridded typing fingers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you, I tell you what. You get 300 people to say they will see me in Toronto, and then I'll go book a show in Toronto. <laughs> so he, I sent it, and then he wrote back to me. I, I, I want to say within a matter of hours uh, uh, with a link, and uh, it took me to this Facebook group. That said, I want to see Paul F. Tompkins in Toronto. And he he laid it out and he said, comedian Paul F. Tompkins has pledged that if, if uh, we get 300 people to say they are committed to seeing him do a show here, he will book a show here. And don't join this group. If you just want to join a group, don't join because you think you're helping me out. It's like you have to be serious that if if at all possible, you will see a show if he puts on a show here. And so within a few weeks, he got to 300 people and I said, "All right, hold I, I will, hold up I will book a show. <laughs> Absolutely, let's see what happens." So I booked a show at the uh, at the Rivoli Theater uh, in Toronto, famous uh, in in the world of comedy for where the Kids in the Hall got their start. Mm-hmm. And they they have an on they have like a great comedy scene in Toronto, um, and uh, they do shows uh, comedy shows at the Rivoli all the time. And so I went up there on a Sunday. I did... uh, It's a a, a smaller place. Uh, I did two shows in one night. And it was fantastic. They were uh, like two of the best shows I'd ever done. And I I began to think, okay, well, maybe this is a workable thing. Maybe this is the way to do it. If I can get the audience in place first and then do the show, maybe that's the way I can book things from now on. And so um, after that, I can't remember if I... If I blogged about that and said, look, I would love to try this, you know, or I think it was, it was after the Toronto one, there, there was a little, little write up in the, in the Toronto paper and, and Bob tweeted about it and I retweeted about it. And then other groups started to spring up. And so I wrote on my website, hey, I think there might be something to this. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's, here's how it works. Um, uh, if you want to start a group, let me know. I will spread the word as much as I can. And, and when you get to 300, I will book a show. And since then, I've done just about a dozen of these, I think. And uh, 99% of them have been absolutely fantastic. There have been a couple underattended That's shows. That's 1% away from 100%. Exactly, Jonah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how his brain works. He's talking his language. Yes. So it's been it's been great and now I'm coming up on the uh, in October it'll be the 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 1 year anniversary of this thing starting mm-hmm. and I'm going back to the Rivoli and doing a show and uh I'm really excited about that and I feel like that will be that'll be the real test uh uh of how this can work if I have established these these groups which which fans start so mm-hmm. it's always if people want to see me you know rather than me hoping to round people up. It's like, no, definitely this is a place we would like you to come. There's mm-hmm. enough people here who want to see what you what you do. Um, perform there once. The group stays. And then it becomes a means of communication like a mini fan club, mm-hmm. a localized thing of, you know, you're on Facebook already. You know, you're on Twitter already. So I can reach you through that, you mm-hmm. know, and say… I'm coming back to that place that I played last time you saw me uh, so we'll see so the Rivoli will be the 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 first test of that um, and then to go back to uh, a lot of these venues for the most part I think it's all I would go I would happily go back to all the same venues that I've already played um, and, uh, and keep refining this process but so far so good it's such a logical you know when I saw that you were first doing that I
0: was like god damn it that makes so much sense because you know you, it's rare that I don't usually think of comedy in the simplest terms of well, if people come see you, then you can do a show. You yeah. just you just kind of book shows and you show up and you hope that the club got the word out and yeah, you know. I, and I've started experimenting with kind of with like street team promotional mm-hmm. street teams because there's just never really enough advertising budget.
2: Yeah, and. Um, you know, it's 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 also and really the interesting. advertising the club does might have nothing to do with you or your sensibility. Well, that's that's that's
0: very know? true because you know you don't. What, what most non-comics don't understand is that you know you can go to these clubs and they paper the room with like free ticket nights. So yeah. like you know like like a redneck could show up and be like, hey, this isn't fucking funny. Yeah. You know, and they want to see you know Jeff Dunham. Yeah. You're not Jeff Dunham. And then so. there's that
2: because there's that weird. Uh, uh, Anger that people get for some reason if they don't find something funny and right. I think it's a, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. I think it's that there is a there's a certain amount of confidence that you have to have to get you on stage to say I believe that what I am saying is funny. To a large group of strangers. Right. Right? So that's a certain amount of balls that you have to have to go up there and and put that to the test. You know. Just to do that. It's not like you're swaggering on stage like, I've already got you people in the palm of my hand. It's like, <laughs> it's, a, it's the confidence to, to take that gamble, you know, an educated uh, gamble. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is going to go well. You right. know, that's what you're doing. And so everybody thinks they're funny. So if they see a guy on stage that has the gall to get up there, <laughs> the courage and the confidence to get up there, just to get up there in front of a room full of people, um, and they don't find it funny, I think that the psychology of it is like I'm funnier than that guy, but I'm scared to do what he's doing, <laughs> and I also, so I'm going to yell from the darkness. I also and ruin think it. the other the other part. Oh, and then when you,
0: a lot of times when you when you try to engage them, they shut down and they don't want to talk. Yes,
2: because they're cowards. But I think well, I think
0: the other part of it is. They are in their minds. I think they are renting you. Yes. As you know, like the same way that you would hire a real estate agent, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, or you know, or any or anyone. Yeah. You work for me. You're though. the expert, and you work for me now. Yeah. And you're not giving me what, as a consumer,
2: I feel I should be getting. So fuck you. You're not, you're not doing what I consider comedy. Right. Right. And right. I want to hear only what I consider comedy, and th- so that's what you're dealing with in in comedy clubs. A lot of times is. uh uh, a bunch of people that that have paid no money to get in. They don't value the experience, mm-hmm. and so they have no reason to invest themselves. Right. You know, if somebody pays, uh, and comedy clubs are expensive, you know, incredibly expensive. expensive. I don't know how investment. anyone affords it yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, if you go, if you've paid all that money, and then you pay for the ticket, and then you have to buy the minimum and stuff like that, uh, drinks, food, whatever. You, I, I think you're you're more likely to say, all right, let's let's. Let's hear this guy out. Right. It might not be what I consider comedy off the bat, but I'm going to give this guy a chance and hear what he has to say because I came here to have a good time. Right. But somebody that just came there to get drunk because it was a free ticket—it's like, well, it's just another venue to drink. Really, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> we might we might as well do that, do it there, than something yeah. like Fuck oh. you! I don't have to shut up. I yeah, I didn't pay anything for this. <laughs> so now the marketing that comedy clubs do—the the, the, uh, the advertising—is uh, not individualized. It is just uh, it's comedy clubs. So uh, just go on the radio. It's the top-rated radio station. So uh, regardless of what they do. You just go there and uh, you do comedy, and then people come to the comedy club. Right, and it's like, well, there's different types of comedians, though. I'm, I'm not, not sure my demographic th- is urban youth, fifteen <laughs> to twenty
0: four. I'm not a hundred percent sure that they're gonna get me. <laughs>
4: come see Earthquake this weekend, next weekend, Paul F. Tompkins.
2: <laughs> but it's more like you know, the the, the thing I've come into that the thing that I've run into is is just the uh, the sort of morning zoo model where it's like really crass stuff, and it's like I. I I try never to sound judgmental or snobby about this stuff, but that's just not who I am at all. Right. You know, like the stuff that those guys are laughing about is not the stuff that I laugh about. And it's not part of my comedic vocabulary. So I can't just join in, you know. So then I end up coming off just not that funny on the radio because these guys have gone down a – a. Uh, a, a direction, uh, they've gone down a comedic road that uh, is unfamiliar terrain for me. And I can't just all of a sudden, I don't have a whole other persona that I can pull out. Well, it also radio. represents what
0: you're going to do at your show, too. Exactly. So you, don't, you don't want people exactly. to be like, hold on a second. This guy, <laughs> think- he did like 10 ovary jokes on the radio. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't hear the word ovary once yeah. when I went to see him. This is fucking ridiculous. I, guess, I
3: think what like, the Morning Zoo guys, though, like, it's like these guys hang out with each other every weekday yeah. for years. And yeah, yeah. it's like just kind of jumping into a close-knit group of friends. Mm-hmm. And they have all these inside jokes or sound effects, as they mm-hmm. probably would be. And then like it's hard to like kind of jump in and be, hey, me too, guys. Uh, play that fart.
0: Noise again, you know. Yeah, but yeah. having done a morning radio show for a while in LA, <laughs> I can tell you that what happens is you're so exhausted most of the time that you're—I don't want to say dead inside—but you just go into like <laughs> shortcut mode, and yeah. so all of your shortcuts are just blah, like like kind of like kind of like what you said. So part of it is they're probably not even listening to what you're saying. No, you're and killing so, time. Yeah, you're killing time. You're killing time and for th- ads. Yes,
2: yeah, and the, the 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 relationship of the comedy club to the radio station, is a flawed relationship. It's it's, it's imbalanced because the, the, radio's, the, the comedy club is saying, well, we get free advertising on this radio station. We send the comedians there, and then the, the radio station mentions our comedy club a bunch of times. And in return, the radio station gets to fill time, which mm-hmm. is their prime directive. It's like, look, we have to be here for three hours. <laughs> no choice. We have to keep talking for three hours, right? So we need people to help us fill three hours of time. So... The thing is, the radio station definitely gets what it needs. Mm-hmm. They have filled their time, right? <laughs> the comedy club, maybe people care enough to go to see the right. comedy club. Maybe they don't, though. So it's not the greatest form of free advertising, you know? There, there's no guarantee that that's going to be effective. Right. And, and I would go out uh, when I was doing comedy clubs, I like to sometimes go out and do a poll of the audience. And ask them, how many people are here tonight because they heard me on the radio? And nobody ever. <laughs> <laughs> not a single person in a single city. Was there ever a response? That, and nobody. Nobody ever came out because they, saw, they heard me on the radio. Really? Not a single person. So have you stopped doing the radio then? Yes, <laughs>
1: that's, a, that's another. That's
2: another part of this of the way the, of booking these shows is that I don't all the promotion is built in. It's 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 built into the momentum of the group, and it's it's I keep reminding people I interact with the group online. It's really it takes no time at all, and mm-hmm. it's kind of fun, you know, to 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 get people excited about these shows, and it's it's kind of a neat thing. So it,
4: everybody it, wins except morning radio. Yeah, Yay, yeah, yeah.
2: They're still killing time. They're fine. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about morning they're, radio. They're like, slowly worried about you. I feel like they're killing. Time in a retirement
0: home, like they're just e- ever, ever closing. Edger, they're just edging toward death. You know, like like when the, when those first cars start rolling out early next year that have like uh, Pandora and you know, like yeah. it's it's gonna be a bummer. It's gonna be a real bummer for radio. <laughs> Um, but uh, it sounds like flailing when you tune in in the morning. Just a little, like that. Hey
2: guys, yeah. we're still here. We're still here, right? is <laughs> anybody out there? Yeah. So, uh, who else is fat
0: we can make fun of? Exactly. <laughs> I feel like they're in a studio just trying to see, like, if, like, in a post-apocalyptic world, if anyone is still out there.
2: Exactly. We have an encampment. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. bring supplies. It's gonna yeah. be like the the, the recorded <laughs> the recorded message in 28 days later. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, I
0: think you know you you know I will I will I will say and I will go on record as saying this, Paul. Oh. But, I think um I think you are definitely one of the best comedians working today without a doubt well, thank you very much um and and I think any 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 good comedian that you would respect that you would ask would would say the same thing oh, I thank I, you. I I interviewed uh, well, like I, I, just, I had Bill Maher on the podcast, and we were talking about mm. when you were on Real Time, and he was like... Did
2: he remember who I was? <laughs> he loves you.
0: He did. Not only did he remember, he was like, I love Paula Tompkins. Oh, you that's know, that's very and sweet. We just, des- we just decided that you know that we just wanted to make it more about the other stuff that was going on the show, yeah. and it, was, it wasn't anything against you about not being on the show anymore. He thought you were great, and he he loved Except
2: you. Except I was not on the show anymore. Except you were not on the After show that anymore. Decision. That's difficult to argue yeah, that point. Part of that decision was, let's not have Paul on the show anymore.
0: <laughs> but I think it was, let's have more of this other stuff... And not, let's not have Paul, specifically. Right. You just said those words again, let's not have Paul. It's just, they had puppets, and they were like, How do we
2: achieve this (laughs) more of the other stuff?
0: But I think, but I think, um, (laughs) but I don't think it was, I don't think it was anything personal along along those lines. Because everyone, like anyone you ask, they love love Paul F. Tompkins, and you were the first comic to ever tell me, oh, you don't, because there was this sort of, I always call it like pre-Vatican II comedy, which is the idea of... You gotta go in any room and you gotta make those people laugh <laughs> right. at any cost. Right. You work for them, you know? <laughs> and you were the first person to say to me, you you don't need to perform for any audience. You should find people that want to be there. Perform for your crowd. And if you're not having fun performing, don't perform for the people you're not that, having that's fun. That's
3: the thing. It's like you know when it comes to music, they're not telling people in bands to say it's like you got to play music that everybody will like. It's like you play yeah. the
2: music that you are good at playing yeah. that you like playing. When musicians go out on tour, they play to their fans. Yes, that's how they make money. Exactly. There there is a period though. Any kind of artist that you are, any kind of performing artist that you are. You have to do bad gigs in order to get good at what you do, mm-hmm. and that toughens you up. But the problem is, like a, a lot of our colleagues um, believe that you always have to do the clubs. You always have to do that. It keeps you honest and stuff like that. And I feel like I've been doing this for over twenty years. If I don't, if I can't keep myself honest, if I can't, if I can't tell the difference between when I'm just kind of coasting with people who are in the know and when I am uh, really working uh, as hard as I can to the best of my ability, then that, that going to that club is not going to help me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, there, there's, there's a time of paying dues where absolutely you got to take your lumps because that's how you get good. You develop a thick skin, you, you work harder and harder. But at a certain point, I, I want to get new fans, but I feel like the way I'm going to get new fans is, is not necessarily going into hostile environments <laughs> and trying to win people over with what I do, like getting one person at a time. but
0: Like I, the Islamabad improv? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, but, but I've heard it's got actually I've heard it's got some good stuff I've heard I've heard good points about the Islamabad improv that they do the check drop at the end of the show rather than in the middle of the show but um uh, I feel like I would rather do shows for people that know who I am. Who might bring somebody right. and say, This guy's really funny? Well, I think that there's, you know, no, there's no question that's going to happen. That I'm, that I'm getting the same amount of new fans that I would had I gone into the shitty club. Right. You know, probably. Means- I'm willing to take that gamble. You're
4: probably getting more because these people are friends with
0: people who probably have a like sense of humor. Yeah.
4: And they're going to come in. Oh, this Paul yeah. Tompkins. Yeah. You just start really getting. Just, I
0: think, I think, I think what will happen is these groups will start becoming friends. And then, like, when you do the Pollock Tompkins 300, everyone will show up dressed as Spartans. I would love for <laughs> that to happen. <laughs> if Anyone's listening out there get 299 of your friends to dress up as Spartans and go
2: I would love some combo of like uh, Spartans and uh, like a, a nice coat and tie sure. like, <laughs> so cocktail Spartans yeah cocktail Spartans that. where are you cocktail Spartans what's the dress <laughs> it's cocktail Spartans
0: okay so a tie and then that battle uh, yeah. Uh, skirt
2: yeah
3: <laughs> battle <laughs> yeah. skirt exactly and the helmet but cuffs yeah
0: down. and then sure yeah. 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 exactly a French cup you yeah. <laughs> yeah. look like an extra on true blood.
2: <laughs> and also with with you know with things like podcasts and social networking like there's there's ways to to reach new people, you know. Like the Follow Friday on Twitter I think has probably gained me more fans than, you know, any any amount of time that I've done yeah. in a comedy club. Where but you know why? Cuz people tell me. Cuz people say, "Hey, I didn't know who you were." Uh, before this friend, friends friends uh, friends of mine recommended you to me on twitter, and then i 've checked out your stuff since then and i 'm i 'm a new fan of yours like it 's like they 're saying it you know like just <laughs> that plainly and it 's great do you ever feel the pressure of because sometimes I feel like fuck i didn 't go to school to learn
0: marketing and and now and <laughs> yeah, now yeah. you know here I am you know like television shows that you work on you know like uh, uh, live shows that you do anything you it all like the onus falls on you like mm-hmm. you Ultimately, have to get the word out there. Is yeah. that is that irritating to you in any way, or do you feel like, ah, thank God we have the ability to do that?
2: I, I think like anything that that you 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 feel that you have to do that is a part of the 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 job part of your your dream job. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes you don't feel like it, um, but I, I, it's so easy to put it in perspective and say, uh, here is what I don't feel like doing is. Uh, <laughs> Putting a blurb on my website about uh, a date that's coming up, right? <laughs> like typing, right? It's it's, t- it's thirty seconds of typing is what I don't feel the like the clerical doing. work, or making yeah the clerical work, making a joke on Twitter because it's like it can't all be just hey come see me at this place. I also have to 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 give people some fun stuff too, you know, so that so that uh, the so that the. You know, it's if you start following somebody that's all about just business, mm-hmm. that's a drag and it's not fun. You know, yeah. and, and you stop paying attention to that person, you get rid of them. And
0: admittedly, you know? I'm a, unfortunately, I feel like I fall into that trap sometimes because I get so caught up in like, ah, I've got this blog and this this node social network and then shows. But you
2: also, but you also, uh, you know, there, it's funny how there's different types of Twitterers, and it becomes like. Um, Uh, People fall into different categories, and it's very easy to see. So you you do the promotion, but you also link to interesting things. And there's a lot of people that I follow that do that too, that they don't really – they don't maybe make jokes per se, or they don't uh, they don't editorialize or anything, mm-hmm. but they will say, "Hey, check out this story," or "Check out this weird video," or something like that. And that to me is just as valid. I still follow those people, and I still uh, I don't always click on the links that they right. that they put up, but uh, I I trust them enough that I most of the time I do you yeah. know to see what this interesting story is. There's there's a guy that calls himself Pour Me Coffee, you know, and like really keeps his identity. Uh, secret and he and he by and large he talks about political stuff, um, but he he's got a he's got a, a posturous uh, blog and uh, he talks about uh, a lot of fun stuff too. Um, always really brief to the point. A lot of links. Uh, really funny. A really funny guy um, that is just this kind of uh, uh, self-employed uh, pundit. You know. Yeah. Um, but absolutely worth following. And there are so I I
0: I think Twitter has been amazing for so many people. Who like people like Kelly Oxford or Alison Agosti or like people who you wouldn't ha- you wouldn't have known before because mm-hmm. they're not their faces aren't necessarily on television but yet they're getting their comedy out there yeah uh, in, in the world and it actually it seems it seems to me like it's working like as a social yeah. networking tool it's actually it's actually yeah. working
2: it couldn't be simpler you know and I think that's what people respond to is is, is that it's it's very easy to use it's very easy it's very easy both to to uh, to participate in and just to observe, mm-hmm. you know, it's very very simple. Um, and yet still people get mad if you live tweet a, tw- a Twilight Zone marathon <laughs> <laughs> to this day they still it's get I, angry no they have, they have oh, those people have long since unfollowed me oh yeah but um, yeah I, I, every New Year's Eve because my wife and I don't do anything for New Year's Eve we just sit at home she's asleep by 10 and so I will stay up and watch the Twilight Zone marathon I've done this like a couple years running I've enjoyed it thank you yeah <laughs> but see that's the thing Is like it, and then when people get mad it makes me laugh so hard that they're getting so angry because it's people that are they are drunk, and they're just coming home from a party or a bar. And so they see in their Twitter feed, it's like all me talking about these Twilight. You know like what, though? Like it's a 60-year-old uh, TV But, you, but you, have
0: to, you, have to, you have to understand, nerds are all about rules and,
2: and I know. structure. And, I know! And it's
0: very OCD. And oh, so yeah. If yeah, you, yeah. If you violate that system, even an inch, it's just like, oh, what are you? And like but the world crumbles.
2: these don't even seem like nerds to me. They seem like- Dumb club people You know what I mean? That have been out Like getting hammered And being I, I gross I love
4: it Because I like to guess What episode Paul's watching
2: Yeah <laughs> <Do> You know <laughs> uh,
0: The Talky Tina episode Yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> Exactly I always thought I always thought I had an old bit about this But I never do it in clubs Because most people Don't know what I'm talking about But I always I had this old bit about how I thought um, Twilight Zone should be called Nice try asshole Because yes.
3: that's, <laughs> that's, that's always
0: It's always someone Trying to <laughs> do a thing like, <laughs> but in the end nice try asshole yeah. you know <laughs> the uh
3: you also had a joke about uh, the Twilight Zone ride at uh, California Adventure. I did? You, you don't remember that? No. Oh, man. That was,
0: like, back in the M-Bar days. I remember Holy you Holy shit. Yeah. I don't know what... if. Well, how did it go, Jonah? Yeah, seriously. Why you I
3: didn't do it, just It's something about the... Uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> it went a little something like that. you Why are you dancing, Jonah? There's no reason to be
3: dancing. It was a long time ago, so I'm gonna have to have a few drinks before <laughs> I get into the bed.
0: Maybe I'll have to have a few just to remember it. Um... But uh, yeah, they get really they get really upset if you violate uh, uh, Twitter laws.
2: I had on uh, on my um, uh, an iTunes review another thing that cracks me because <laughs> oh, I, 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 I started a podcast recently and that uh, I definitely I, want to talk about. Uh, sure, the Podf Tomcast. Yes, and and uh, I I went to the the iTunes reviews and I never read reviews because it it hurts my feelings. Right.
0: But then I realized... (laughs) Is that because you're a
2: human being? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're not made of some kind of inorganic material. You put yourself out there. For some reason, when people are trying to be as mean as possible, they really succeed. (laughs) um, But then I realized, wait a minute. This thing is for free. Yeah. So I don't have to... Like, I, don't, I don't take anything to heart at all. It's like it's just that simple. Like if I put a CD out and people say, oh, wasn't that funny or this, that, or like I like the other one better. It's like, oh, that sucks because I'm I'm I'm, I'm wanting people to buy this. But when I put the podcast out and I realized this is for free. I'm doing this. I can, It could can be whatever I want. The reviews, the negative reviews became so funny to me. Yeah. And the people looked so stupid. Right. It was hilarious. Like but there was one but there was one where it was a rules thing because the the conceit the the very light conceit of my podcast is it's nighttime on the internet know, <laughs> i know i know that people can listen to this any time of day i know most people are going to be listening to it during the daytime probably working out or doing household chores or whatever Paul, that's when I, you can i take a guess at what some of the people might be <laughs> <laughs> Uh, It's not. It's not nighttime. this. It It was one person who gave me, I think, two stars, (laughs) and the whole review was um, major podcast rule violation. (laughs) Like they actually said, "Let me see. Let me see if I can." uh, Wait. So you didn't look at your podcast statutes. Well, they should publish the rules somewhere. So I I don't know if I have to go downtown. Is it some some kind of a wiki, or is
4: it a? You're supposed to register with Ricky Gervais
2: (laughs) on
0: Wikipedia.
2: But yeah, it was about about what time of day it was. Like you can't say what time of day it is. Yeah. Oh, can I say it's nighttime on the internet? No. Where, where, what rule is that that says I can't say that? It's
4: literally somewhere always nighttime on the
2: internet. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. So,
0: so, some guy <laughs> wrote me the other day, and he was like uh, on Twitter. He said, uh, uh, the audio on your podcast is shit. What, you can't afford real equipment? And so, of course, I clicked on his profile. I was laughing, and I clicked on his profile, and he had one follower. And I literally typed in, but I didn't send it like – and now I see where all your followers went. Like, there's no, <laughs> you so want to, you so want retali- to you say something back, and you're like, yeah, ah, yeah you can, this poor guy, yeah. <laughs> fucking... <laughs> poor guy, he's got one follower,
3: Poor
4: guy. I feel bad. Some Horrible. of
0: our reviews
3: on iTunes are hilarious.
0: Some, well, it, you know what's amazing is, and especially on Twitter, is you'll see some, you'll see similarities in tweets. You'll see like a, a similar kind of negative tweet. And just from a data, just from a, a like a, a statistician standpoint, if you go through, you see striking similarities between the the way people look and the types of responses. Yes. <laughs> I have a lot. Li- <laughs> you on, get a, on TweetDeck. I have a
4: column that is just Nerdist Podcast. Yeah. So every time someone, I should really take it off. I don't know why I do this to myself, but should I should just every <laughs> time someone says something, and you'll
0: see it in groups people are saying. That they like a particular thing or... There are some weird... I mean, that like, you should have a certain person. Twitter, Twitter as a data tool is fascinating yeah. for that reason alone because you see that sort of like Freakonomics like, oh, these seemingly unrelated uh, data points are actually all have some kind of unifying thing and they yeah. look the same. Yeah, they have the yeah. same haircuts. They follow the same nine UFC fighters. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a Tap Out logo somewhere
2: on their avatar. Like, It's so
0: fascinating. It's yeah. fascinating. Yeah.
2: It's really crazy.
0: Um but uh, I wanna talk about the Pod F Tomcast because I you know, I you've been talking about doing it for a while mm-hmm. and <laughs> for a while. Well because because <laughs> it's been it was because rather than just like here we were like you know, it, hey, let's just go start talking, and then that's it. But but your, yours is actually going to be a you know you want to do a produced show, yeah. And so that just takes a little more work. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, Makes the rest of us look bad.
2: Well, but I, I foolishly announced that I was going to do it right before I had just moved back from uh, from New York and was still like settling into we were still settling into our new house and we were about to get married. And uh, it was a terrible time to embark on some <laughs> new time-consuming venture that there was just no way that was going to happen. And I put like a, I put a date on it, like in one month or something, and then I <laughs> realized like, no, this, I, there's no way I'm ever going <laughs> to. I have to t- figure it out first. I've, it's not like. No, no, no! I have it all mapped out, storyboarded, and uh, I just have to <laughs> you walk in. Uh, you
0: didn't write a check to yourself for ten million dollars, so <laughs> d- dated for 10, 10 years into the future. Exactly. I, and I put it in Jim Carrey's dad's. Oh, <laughs> oh, <come on>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the the, the podf Tomcast. First of all, you, the graphic for your podcast is stunning. That the little the little, <laughs> the, the little iPod face with the eight bit mustache <laughs> right. that is gorgeous. That was Mike
2: Mitchell, a uh, very talented artist, the guy the who Coco. did the, the I'm with Coco poster, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, so, how many episodes have you done? What's your plan with the show? how many, like, how, how was the first episode received?
2: The f- I've done one so far. Uh, the first episode was received very, very well. Uh, the response was overwhelmingly positive. Um, you know, the the I read a few negative iTunes reviews, but you know, it's a. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's it's a form where you really can... I, I love podcasts so much. And I listen to a ton of podcasts. And it's a form where you can do whatever you want. It can be whatever you want it to be. And the way you decide to listen to or not listen to a podcast is whether or not you like it. Mm-hmm. And it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of like that... I, I, I think I become less... I, I, I become completely non-judgmental of them. It really is whether I like it or I don't like it. And people like to break it down in reviews, like I like this part, I didn't like that part. And to me, it's like if I if I like most of it, I will listen to it. Right. You know, I, I, I it's weird that I don't even think anymore about uh, oh this segment I I can skip over or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, you it's turned me on to In Our
0: Time with Melvin Bragg, which, yeah. which was yeah yeah, yeah. which uh, it. it it became too overwhelming because there's yes. so many. There's a backlog. Do you guys know this in our yeah. time
2: with Melvin Bragg? It's it's fantastic. It's it's this uh, British guy from the BBC who sits around with three or four people who are experts on uh, whatever topic they're going to discuss. The most the
0: brainiest scholars it's you could crazy. ever like. They Cambridge, yeah. Oxford.
2: Yeah, they'll talk about specific. Uh, say spe- a specific. Uh, 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 thing that happened in history. Like the Norman invasion. Yeah. Or they'll talk about uh, the concept of friendship. <laughs> how old is friendship? What evolutionary purpose does it serve? It's
0: literally anything that has happened within the the span of humanity, yeah. they will cover. Yeah. That's great. And they'll talk about it for an oh. hour and everyone is brilliant Yeah, and it's fascinating.
2: And this guy, Melvin Bragg, that, uh, how he keeps everybody on topic and on track because sometimes they will say, well, hold on a second. You're getting away from the question <laughs> How did you fucking know it? I know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But the, the the one the one drawback to that podcast is you really have to pay attention to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It.
0: You can't drift off. It's. I, yes. I, I, I suffered from listening to it while driving. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no absolutely not. No, no,
2: no. When did the, I, where did yeah. the Mongols come from? They're talking about Mongols all of a sudden. I don't know what happened. I, it's like, I would listen to that podcast, and I'm so backed up, like a year's worth backed up, Oh yeah. where I would, I would say, all right, today I'm going to do I'm gonna iron a bunch of shirts, so that's perfect because that is a repetitive activity that I don't have to think about, so I can be listening to that completely and doing nothing but that. I'm gonna I'm gonna iron like 15 shirts. That'll be you know 45 minutes, and I will have listened to one episode of that podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I I really love the 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 form and uh, and it's very it's very freeing to be able to say. I'm just gonna put everything out there. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna do. I, here's all the things that I like. I'm gonna put them all into this. Um, I took care to to structure it a certain way, um, where uh, I have a little bit. I, I, have, I have like a sketch that I have uh, written specifically Sorry. for the podcast. Uh, we were
3: walking here. We were talking about the the I Andrew Lloyd Webber. I
2: see, yes. <laughs> And that came out of uh, <laughs> characters that I had done. when when Scott Ackerman started doing his uh, comedy Death Ray Radio podcast, um, I would I started doing characters on that show. There were things that I had done uh, on Best Week Ever mm-hmm. that I, I've never been a character person, but because of the nature of that show, I would I would imitate these these famous people for different uh, bits that we would do on the show. And so Scott said, yeah, if you ever want to come on, uh, you know, as yourself or as a character. And when he said that, it was just as simple as him saying that. I was like, maybe I do want to do a character. Like, that <laughs> would be fun, you know. And I, I had been, like, fresh off that experience um, and realizing I don't know when I'm ever going to get a chance to do these voices again, you know. And, uh, and so then I started calling in regularly as uh, Ice-T and Andrew Lloyd Webber and the Cake Boss and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, all stuff that I'd done on Best Week Ever. And so when I did the when I started doing the podcast, uh, I realized I want to do that. I definitely want to include that. Um, and then uh, you know I, I do this this live show at Largo uh, at the Coronet in West Hollywood every month. Mm-hmm. I def- I record all those shows. I definitely want to use excerpts from from that show so people that that live outside of Los Angeles can hear. You know mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing that I'm doing uh, here. Um, and then I realized I wanted to have a conversational element to it because a lot of the podcasts that I that I enjoy are conversational. And uh, <clears throat> <if> they... <laughs> oh, hold on a second. Well, uh, I, I have something to say okay, about the Nerdist podcast. Okay, okay. It is coming very okay, soon. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'm gonna do, uh, like the sketch I'll put early on because it's short. Um, the, uh, the the um, the the excerpt from the show. I'll kind of stick that in the middle um, because it's it's uh, you know it's a different thing. It's a good place to put it because it's it's a live element in the midst of this uh, recorded thing. And then the conversation I'll leave last because I know that's going to take people time to get into it. Mm-hmm. You know that I start by it's it's a conversation between me and my friend uh, Jen Kirkman, um, uh, who's a, who's a hilarious comedian that I've known for years and we're really close friends. And so uh, she she's a character and I thought she's I enjoy uh, listening to her take on things so much I'm going to start at the beginning with how we became friends and then um, from here and and, and like even just doing that realizing like okay next time it'll be a more focused conversation we'll pick a thing to talk about and then we'll it'll be like no longer than 10 minutes you know so it's like knowing that and one of the things that I that I that I I kept in mind as I was doing it was this thing is going to evolve. I don't know what it's going to become, but and and here's the where best. I'm starting. That yeah, is the be- that is it's the so sm- and, It's and so exciting! It's so exciting. Because like when people say, because I'm sure they ask us all the time,
0: like how do I start doing comedy? You're like, <laughs> you how do I start doing you, comedy? You've forgotten that question before, of right? Of course, yes. And so. it's like it, you know, it doesn't have to be done when you start. Yes. You just just have to start it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's no matter how well you try to plan it. And I think when we started this show, that was the same thinking of like, Oh, I don't have to have a perfectly formed show. We can just start it, no yeah. matter what we plan. It's going to change over time yeah, anyway. Yeah, we, you know, I don't like, know if it has, but just like we like we start it, we're
3: like we'll figure it out as we go along. And it's I, think yeah, <laughs> I think we're still doing that. Yeah, I think we're still figuring out.
0: The only thing that changes is the guests.
3: Yeah, that's yes. the only thing. It's like but we start you, talking and then go, oh shit. But yeah.
2: no, 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 you know, you with a with a with a, a conversation based. Uh, Podcast, you know, there's only I think there's only so much evolution that needs to be done. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I because the evolution that happens is you're getting better at doing the thing that you're doing. You know what I mean? You get less. It's very it's very self conscious the first time you turn on the mics and you're gonna sit around. You're very conscious of this is being recorded. Right. You know, and so gradually. That self consciousness falls away, and you get better conversation because the self consciousness leaves. And I think that's the evolution that happens in a in a podcast like this. So, Paul,
4: what is your uh, favorite? Uh,
3: I think I think we've gotten <laughs> I think we've gotten better at like not like stepping over each other. Yeah. So like uh, <laughs> there you go.
2: Now, may I make? What? I have to make a confession. What happened? I did not initially listen to the Nerdist podcast, and <gasps> let me tell you why. Let uh, him finish. No it hurts. Let him finish, Chris. Please. I very, I very dumbly assumed that it was going to be some, sign of, some sort of technical thing. <laughs> <laughs> I really did think. No, but that's not a I, bad assumption. It's God. called the Nerdist
0: podcast. I I, I just.
2: I went went solely by the name, and I thought, oh, he's gonna like talk about tech stuff and like. I won't understand that. This
0: week, SD cards are up <laughs> 16 gigabytes.
2: I not, I, to be fair, I did not think it was going to be as dry as all that.
0: But <laughs> Cyberduck or
2: fetch, you guys.
3: <laughs> FTP I clients in the house. I already lost.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I know I know that name is kind of misleading from yeah. the, you know, if you think of it from that way. So, yes, I but, completely so I, understand. But I am
2: late to the game. That's okay. That's okay. I, if I had thought about it, I probably would have understood. No, that's a sort of, that that's... That's just the name of the thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it, but I was operating under the assumption that I knew what the term "nerdist" was no, all about. I, like, no, I no, I know, I know what I that know. is. No, it's, it's, it's everyone different. knows that word. That's, <laughs> that, that's, that's I guess, because of the blog. You know, because of the blog, I thought, oh, this is the this is the the audio version of the the nerdist blog, which is one of the reasons why I've tried
0: to expand the blog out. And so the idea is more now like you know we're a partner like everyone nerds out over something everyone's obsessive over something and so yes. you know there i think there's an undertone to this podcast that's like about people's processes and things mm-hmm. that they're obsessing over and, yes and, and i've since sort of listened
2: thing. to about half a dozen oh that's uh, cool yeah, yeah 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 and i enjoy it a great deal well thank you squeeze. <laughs> i want i have one criticism please that john ham he talks too quiet <laughs> <laughs> It's Joke hard, up it's on that, mic, John, so
3: sexy. If you speak up. Seriously. You know?
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, loud is not sexy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> He's he used uh, to lavalier microphones. That's what that uh, guy's used <laughs> need, to.
0: He needs a lav mic or a boom mic hanging over. <laughs> That's him, right. A fuzzy boom doesn't mic. Have, he doesn't have the marriage chip. I read that. <laughs> no. <Huffington> Post.
2: No. <laughs> a what? A marriage the chip. A marriage
4: chip. John Hamm doesn't have it. To get married. I saw that on the Huffington Post and then I saw like 14 other blogs pick that up.
2: And all, y- all you keep saying is the Huffington Post. You're not telling Huffington me what that Post? thing is. Huffington Post. What? HuffPo. What's, Huff-po? A, what's a marriage chip? Apparently
4: <laughs> it's what uh, people have that makes the them w- get married. They want to get married.
2: It's what you have, Paul. Marriage okay, chip. Get oh, he's sort of b- being fun. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, would you install that with an optical drive? Yes, he and, he and his uh, his lady, Jennifer Westfeld, I think both of them lacked that uh, that software. They've been together a while. Or hardware, as the case may be. That's They've right. been together a while, and she made a movie called Iron Abbey, which uh, was a very enjoyable indie film that was kind of all about how marriage is not the greatest thing. And it was like, okay, I think I see... This is your philosophy. <laughs> uh, this is, I saw that movie before. I think before I, had, I think I had met John in passing a couple times uh, as part of the uh, the larger uh, uh, comedy group in LA, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, through through uh, John Schrader, the the comedy uh, tall John, writer. tall John, um, and then
0: we did a we did a, a match game with Jimmy Pardo with 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 him. Yes, and yes, I yes, was yes. I did,
2: hadn't really talked to him that much before mm-hmm. we did the match game, and he was. Very funny. Very funny. He's a really funny guy. And i had, that was my first time meeting him since uh, Mad Men had started. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing he said to me was, oh, I just uh, downloaded your CD. It was really funny. And I was very excited that this was guy this had impersonal? this great show. Was this? this was impersonal, yes. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's a super cool guy um, and uh, is, uh, is pretty much always up for, for, for fun stuff. Like I, he, he happened to be in New York, I think. He was doing 30 Rock in New York when I was hosting Best Week Ever and um i i emailed him and say hey would you if you're around you got some time do you want to come down and just do something on the show and he goes yeah and i very quickly just wrote up these this runner you know um just like this absurd thing had nothing to do with anything it was not commenting on pop culture at all there it, was, it, it felt like it was a thing that we could use anytime and uh he came down and like within a half hour i think it took longer to like put him in, put him through makeup than it did to actually shoot the thing, um, and he did it and was great and left, and it was it was really cool, you know. It so was this, really really. This is for cool. best week ever. Yeah, and he was hilarious, you know, and it was uh, just like just him being such a such a sport about that and being up for it. Like I think. I think that he has a great um, uh, attitude about work because he he slaved away in relative obscurity, you know, for such a long time. It was like a guy who worked for a while, but knew what it was like to not be working, mm-hmm. you know, and then to be on a good thing um, and have people say good things about it, uh, and, and really have work that he could sink his teeth into um, and have people acknowledge that he was good at what he was doing. Uh, I, I can tell, without him saying this, he's like one of those guys that like, this is all gravy now. You yeah. know? Like, I am very fortunate to have all these things. He he knows that this does not happen to everybody all the time.
0: Well, he, de- he definitely does not have that attitude. Like, if people on a successful show, if you kind of talk about their work, they get a little like, yeah, 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 I don't want to talk about work. Like, he's very much... Open about stuff, yeah. and yeah, he, yeah, yeah. you know, and he's just a comedy. He look. likes yeah. what he
2: does, and he doesn't take it for granted. I just love you
0: that uh, for the longest time. You know, like you see older pictures of him, he just looks like a dude. He's shaggy. Hair slicked, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah slick yeah, that yeah. hair back, and yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah. my, <laughs> like taking the glasses off the nerd girl, <laughs> <laughs> shaking her hair
1: loose. <laughs> She's beautiful. <laughs>
0: Um, but, uh, so do you, uh, how, how was your experience on best week ever? Cause I know you, you kind of, you uprooted your life and, and moved to New oh, York yeah. and,
2: and I, I loved doing that show. Uh, it, it was at a terrible time, um, uh, in terms of the economy, where it was starting to affect show business for the first time in recorded history, <laughs> like the the Great Depression didn't affect show business. You know what I mean? Like they made more movies, yeah. Yeah. right? But uh, for the first time, networks started to get started to get scared. Like man, we're not spending money on things like advertising. Right. What is essentially a brand new show. Right. Because I had done Best Week Ever as a panelist. Uh, in its old format where it was a bunch of talking heads. They did that for four and a half years. Then they made this dramatic switch to a hosted format but they didn't tell anybody that they were going <laughs> to do that. So one week it was the show that uh, the viewers of Best Week Ever enjoyed and then the next week hey
0: it's only that one guy now. It is a classic television move though where they're just they're so you can see Networks in panic mode, where they're like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, "Put this on." Did you tell anyone about it? Doesn't matter. Just fucking get it on. Oh, it didn't rain after a week. Get it off. Get something what? else on. <laughs>
2: this didn't even flash colors. A, but the, what's so funny was this never felt like panic mode. It felt like, eh, you know, what this show's been going on for a while. Like, we could try something different, or we could cancel it. <laughs> Let's try something different. So they tried a different, like that. That whole process seemed very calm, you know, and and uh, it, it did not seem like it was born out of panic whatsoever. It just seemed like, yeah, this thing has been happening for a while. We're, other shows are rating better, and especially on VH1, which is mostly reruns. <laughs> like they have five shows that they just rerun incessantly. So it really was like we're saving so much money uh, with this reality programming where disgusting people try to have sex with each other. <laughs> we really are saving a lot of money. We have I guess we have enough cash that we could we could do something different with disgusting the best week ever. Disgusting
0: ex celebrities yeah. trying to have, have sex with have each Yeah. We have one other. show that's the not spin about is. Yeah,
2: yeah. We have one show that's not about monsters trying to procreate. <laughs> what what say we do something different with that show and see what happens. And then the experiment was not a success because uh, we didn't automatically have millions of viewers come out of nowhere <laughs> to just discover our show by accident and, right. and be, become in love with it. There's some so, type of osmosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were like, eh, yeah, you know, we gave it a shot. <laughs> no, you didn't. the end. You, know? you didn't really give it a yeah, shot. You didn't really give it a shot. We <laughs> we gave it a shot at letting them give it a shot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you know, keeping it on a couple seasons is yeah. giving it a shot. Yeah,
2: but I, I I had such a good time working on that show. It was uh, it was so much fun to be uh, writing, producing, and performing comedy on television every single week was a blast. I loved the people that I worked with. Uh, I I, I it was a it was a real. Um, I love the challenge of it mm-hmm. of of making it as good as it possibly could be. And um, for as many people that that think they knew what we were doing on that show and could be kind of dismissive of it, we endeavored every episode to not just be sarcastic, but to actually make some commentary wherever we could. You know, there was plenty of silliness on that show, absolutely, but my thing always was, Let's 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 like let's go a little bit deeper with this. I know it's silly pop culture and I know we're just we're making fun of stuff that by and large doesn't matter. So let's try and find the thing that does matter in this rather than just Britney Spears, still dumb. You know? <laughs> like let's let's try and let's try and make a commentary. Just slip in a little commentary in a funny way. Well about that's society you, as yeah, a whole. And you can't you can't have
0: that Britney's dumb approach like I do Chelsea lately all the time, and you, mm. you can't go on and tell the audience, "Hey, this thing that I've gone out of my way to comment on isn't worthwhile." Like, because you're <laughs> yes, basically telling yes. the audience, yeah, 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 "You're yeah. stupid for yeah. caring yeah. about this. Yeah, I'm yeah. stupid
2: for being here." This yeah, whole thing. Right. Is- and people have made that mistake, have gone on that show or shows like that, you know, and made the mistake of saying, "Who cares about this?" Yeah, and then it's people are like, like ah, hey. that's kind of what our whole premise is." Fuck yeah. you! <laughs> yeah, so you gotta you got to kind of have fun with it. Yeah. you got to have
0: fun with it. But, yeah. um, and you, there also, uh, you had a. Uh, uh, a famous falling out with Weird Al Yankovic on the. <laughs> I was so happy when you guys, when you guys finally oh. mended the bridge. Do you know this story? It sounds. It's a, fin- it's a wonderful, wonderful story. It's so ridiculous. No, no. no.
2: It's it is. It is now in in the the current hour stand up I'm doing It's all about is all about work. So mm-hmm. it's all different jobs that I've had, uh, you know, on screen and off, you know, um, and uh, uh, there's. <laughs> When when Best Week Ever was in the multi-panelist format, we shared um, studio space. We shared a wall. Uh, I, studio space is not correct because we were in an <laughs> office building. We shared a wall with the I Love the series of programming. I Love the 80s. I Love the 90s. Um, and so our, the sound would bleed through. So whoever got there first, whichever show got there first that day, had the right to complain about the other show.
0: That was dumb, but it was... You guys guys weren't so much productions as tenants. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: And that was was the only system that we had uh, of dealing with this ridiculous situation. So um, one day, um, one of our crew goes over to tell I Love the 90s to keep it down. And the guy comes back and he's kind of giggling. He goes, weirdo, Yankovic's over there. And I said, oh, next time there's noise, let me go over there. And I'll make a bit out of complaining, and it'll be funny. So I go next door, and I make this huge display over uh, over the noise that Weird Al is making. And I'm calling him weird. I'm like, come on, weird! And I'm being as over-the-top as possible. And he's being so apologetic, and I'm like, he doesn't get that I'm kidding around. So I go crazier and crazier, and he still never quite gets it. And then I realize... I have never met this guy before. (laughs) I only thought that I had. I've never met him. And so I walk out, I'm kind of embarrassed and I walk out of there. And I like for years and years, I was like, this guy, this this guy yelled at this guy, and he has no idea. And I'm thinking he must, he must know that I was kidding around. And so I finally (laughs) told you the story Mm -hmm. and I said, could you? Can you find out if he? You knew I was kidding, right? I and Chris wrote back to me and said, "No, he he thought you were serious." Like, At this point, like years had like, gone by. Oh man, I felt so bad because oh. he's the sweetest guy ever. Oh, the nicest
0: guy and, in the world. And so he really did. <laughs> and so I I, I felt like. A, I felt like I was doing some very effective patchwork and I wrote back and go, Paul, it's all okay with weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's
3: all everything's gonna
0: be
2: all right. So that culminated in uh, I I was doing my, my Largo show and it was an anniversary show. Uh, it was the, the um the eighth anniversary of of, of, of doing this show. And uh, so since then I i i talked to Weird Al a bunch of times and, and uh we had we had worked together on different things and uh, and so I told that story in my in my opening monologue. And then uh, as, as a big surprise, I brought Weird Al out, and we hugged in front of everybody and put the feud behind us. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that that is my favorite memory of, of Best Week Ever was that that ridiculous time when I thought I had met Weird Al. And, uh, I had in not hacked you and just verbally assaulted him yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, a way yeah. that this, he, I was meeting him now, for sure.
0: <laughs> so it, it wasn't so like you said, you've been doing comedy for over 20 years, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until *Impersonal*, which is only a couple years old, right? Was it 2007? 2007, 7, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that you actually just sort of compiled. I, I felt like that was your that was your CD of. You know what? These are a bunch of old bits that have that I that, that like kind of the A stuff from over the years. I'm just yeah. gonna put it on one thing and just kind of get it out there so that it's actually out
2: there. Yeah, like this is stuff I don't do anymore. And in fact, it's, bits it's, of people request. Yes, absolutely. But in fact, it's a style that I don't really do. It like my style has evolved. so Oh, much. please
0: talk about that for a sec. Like How, oh, yeah. how have you seen you know from the beginning Paula Tompkins, comedian, Philadelphia um, in the late '80s, early '90s. What, how was your style different? How'd you evolve? Like, what, what's that?
2: When I first started, I think I, th- I know that I thought I was a lot better than I actually was. But <laughs> I think that I think that you need that a little bit to get started. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Right. And if you knew exactly the level of quality that you were putting out, you would say, "Well, I shouldn't be doing this. Thing. It's only, it's I only, should go home." It's only in hindsight yeah. where you're like, "I said that out exactly. loud, yeah, exactly to people." Exactly. But it's you know, it's the best you can do at the time. Yeah, and uh, I. I I feel like I only really got good at stand-up within the last handful of years. Um, I, 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 I think that, you know, I had done it for eight years in Philadelphia, then moved to Los Angeles. And then when I moved here, I started getting into sketch and and uh, and, and uh, that sort of performing and, and a lot more acting uh, stuff. And so I would do stand-up, but I wouldn't really do gigs out of town much. I, I would pretty much just do it in Los Angeles. And I wasn't really paying attention to it. You know, it was it was sort of like I knew that I needed to come up with stuff uh, to do. Like if I was doing the the, the the weekly show at Largo, I would do that once or twice a month. And the, the sort of rule was that you had to have new stuff when mm-hmm. you went on. And so I would write new stuff for that. But um, I, I would kind of find it on stage. And I didn't really... I sort of took stand-up for granted. I didn't. I didn't spend as much time on it as I as I could have. Did you write stuff down, or did you just kind of go up with some? I would have in bullet points, you know, and I, yeah, and I would kind of figure it out up there, which I still kind of do. Um, but if I if I have if I have a turn of phrase that I really like, I will definitely make sure to to say that word for word. Mm-hmm. But for for the most part, I go up with a, with a with a skeleton, you know, and 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 put the meat on on stage in front of people. Um, but I but I. It was around the time of of doing that c d that i realized, wow, i've started paying attention to this more i I started taking more road gigs because uh i didn't have when i wouldn't have a regular t v gig of any kind um i would go hit the clubs you know um and then i started that started making me a better comedian was headlining was that well, you have to be – you have to you have to, you have have to, to give these people a show, yeah. you know. You, you, and it's not like uh, radio style. You can't just mark time. Like you have to really perform because people have paid a lot of money. And you
0: do get a little spoiled in L.A. because, yeah. you know, if you perform a lot,
2: people know who you are. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. you
0: – that's all gone when you first – when you go up on stage. You're like, oh, it's Paul. I know Absolutely. who he is. I know, where, I know what yeah. he's about.
2: Yeah, yeah. There will be like a handful of people that maybe knew who I was. But there was a lot of people that had no idea. And so uh, I really had to perform and, and – uh, and, and, and trying to do that on my terms, like the way I wanted to be funny um, to a group of disinterested people was, was, uh, was, a, real, was a real challenge. And what, what made it – I think what helped me a lot was being in those situations and projecting to people that, that were not into what I was doing. It's all going to be okay, you guys. It's all going to be okay. I know you're not into it. Just hang in there. By the end of this, I will have turned you around, and i had to I had to believe that myself, you know I, at the very least, I had to project that to the audience, like I know you're not on board with this. But you will be, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> and that actually worked, you know. And then there came a time when I got tired of doing that, <laughs> Right, <laughs> where I didn't want to have to do that anymore. But, you know, because with the clubs, you're, you're, you're up against so much stuff that gets in the way of the show. And, and the analogy I, I like to use that I think is a really apt analogy is that you are the movie and the the way the club makes money is from the popcorn, you know. Right. Um, that's that's their that's their their primary source of income. It is not the guy that it could be any idiot up there on stage. Right. It is really like they are in the restaurant business. You're the only one who's in the comedy business, you know. <laughs> so you have to understand that you're you're doing your comedy in somebody's restaurant. Well, that's you know?
0: why that's why it's refreshing to find a spot like Laughing Skull or Acme in Minneapolis or mm-hmm. like a club where you feel like, oh, they actually care about the comedians. Yeah. And not just, you know, uh, get up there and
2: keep... You know, stay up there until we drop the check. Yeah, but even those places, they still have to deal with. Of course, they gotta sell drinks. Of course, they gotta sell drinks, and they, as they can care about comedy all they like, but at the end of the day, if they want to stay in the black, they have to sell booze. While you're up there in the comedy business, right? Yeah, they're still in the booze business. So <laughs> you know, it's it's nice when, when one business admires another business. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> so that it, they're not actively trying to destroy you. But uh, but they're they're you know, it, it's not. It's funny.
0: You're basically we just keep we just basically keep people focused so they can just keep pouring beer
2: in their gullets. Yes,
0: you're, you're, <laughs> exactly. You're just, you're just you're basically you're you're keeping them in one spot. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. please don't leave. Please, and hopefully, please stay and drink. Please, please stay and drink. And hopefully they'll enjoy it. And hopefully you'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But you do. You're right. you totally forget. Like when people people say, uh, uh, when someone whenever i see a comment on the internet about a tv show it's like that show totally
2: sold out like
0: it's sold out from the beginning because yes. it's television and yes. television yes. is meant to
2: exactly. to, to
0: keep Sell. to keep you watching for ads yeah yeah yeah, yeah. automatically yeah
2: they if they if you think they sold out it's because they're trying to stay on the air <laughs> they're trying to keep their jobs and the jobs of who knows how many people that work on a television but show
0: but you you have a you have a writing skill with your stand up that is that is incredible to me and and it's one that i always Wanted to be able to do. I'm just it's. I'm just not great at it. But you, uh, within the body of a bit, you can take a tangent onto some some minor detail that almost <laughs> seems accidental, and then all of a sudden you do, you go into that, and that becomes the focus of the bit, and then some tangent on that takes you <laughs> further. Into the bit. it's like levels
2: in Inception,
0: man. <laughs> it's like you're in limbo. <laughs> but uh, but but that
2: is a phenomenal way to write,
0: and uh, it's not something that you that I that I it's just it's not something I see anyone else do.
2: Well, thank you. It, it, a lot of that I, I I must admit is by accident. Um, it 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 I, I feed a lot off of the energy of the crowd, and, and I I like to allow for the possibility of improvisation. So, uh. I might write like one tangent in there but where it goes depends on how people respond to the tangent. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like if they're in, if they if they laugh at this weird thing that I threw in there that's that's ultimately a thing that I think is funny that I don't necessarily know if the audience is going to think is funny but I hope they think is funny. You know? Like when when you're writing when you're when you're writing stand up the idea is this is so funny in my head I I am reasonably sure that other people will find this funny too. I have to translate it from the language in my head, um where it's just a it's literally just a thought, you know. It's just a flash that made me laugh. I have to translate that into human speech so that other <laughs> people who don't speak the language that's in my head will understand. And then, okay, I know that uh if I phrase it this way, uh, this is how this is how I say funny things People will laugh at that, I'm pretty sure. Then there's other stuff where it's like, I think this is funny, but I don't know if anybody else would ever think this is funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I gotta, I'm compelled to throw it out there just to see if anybody laughs at that. That's the little tangents. And then if people do laugh at that, then my instinct is always, let's see how far I can push it. Let's oh see God, what I can get out of that's this. It's
0: so amazing you say that because I, you know, I, I did that. Uh, I did a Wired article a couple months ago about the stand-up writing process, mm-hmm. and I talked to you and 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 Zach Galifianakis and a handful of people. Bob Bob Newhart, mm-hmm. and Newhart's whole thing was he has a. It's just funny to hear this from Bob Newhart. He has a series of bailout points in his bits, <laughs> yes. and he's like, if the bits up working up to that bailout point. And I then I'll and then I, and I pat and then I'll keep going. Yeah. Then if it stops working, I get out at the next bailout point. Yeah. And hilarious. then I go home and rework it. So it's funny. That's that really what it comes he, down to, right? He's built in all these trap doors, yeah. so that yeah. he can just fucking get out well, if I mean, he needs to.
2: That, that that is. I I think that's a very uh, elegant way to to express it. it it's 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 uh, a. It's pretty much you you keep talking until they stop laughing. And then the next time you talk about the same stuff, you cut out the part where they stop laughing. (laughs) It's a very simple... It's like, I know they will laugh up to this point. Any further than that, they will not (laughs)
3: laugh. I remember actually at that Helium show in Philly all those years ago, you did like a 10-minute chunk on The Talking Ape.
2: Uh, and, oh boy, that one! And, I, I tried with that one for a while.
3: I, I, I thought it was, it was like uh, the area I was with was like dying, and then like, but at the end of it, like, because it, it went out for like you know, ten minutes or so, and then like at the very, I, end, I think like, it just
2: felt like ten minutes.
3: <laughs> no, I, I thought it was great, but then like at the end of it, you were just like, and that one was for me. Back to you. <laughs>
2: Back
0: to you. Uh, that
2: was yeah. That was a bit that you know every once premise. in a while. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah. It, it's, it's all, it remains a great premise. Um, every once in a while, there's a thing like that where you think, oh, my God. That's one of those things where, that was so funny in my head. Uh, the idea of a, of a <laughs> if we discovered uh, an actual talking gorilla someplace could speak perfect English and then we bring it to America and put it on television and everything so everybody can see this miracle, you know, this ape can speak English. How long would it take for it to become boring? You're asking why, I'm like, no, nah, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. Are you going to watch The Talking Ape? No, I've, I've seen him. I've, I've re- I feel like I've heard all he had to say. I will tell
0: you exactly how long it would take. In, in, in our culture now, it would take about three minutes for the YouTube video, and then... <laughs> And then it would be a cat who's dressed like one of the Sex and the City girls. But talking about, like,
3: taking it to the other, like, he goes off on a tangent and then, like, starts talking about Then the Ape would kind of, like, as a kind of a washed-up celebrity, like, um, would have its own show.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, the idea is that... It sounds like you're describing the situation from Jersey (laughs) Shore. Oh, God.
2: You might be right.
0: (laughs) Like, afterwards, when people don't care anymore, they're going to be like, Hey! Come on!
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. We're going to lock him in a room for a week and see if uh, all that hair grows back. <laughs> it's like, you are a gorilla. Okay. <laughs> right. That's going to be you the twist at the end me. of the season.
4: <laughs> it's going to be particularly sad yeah. when he doesn't have abs anymore. He's going to be the oh, situation. It's going to be another kind of situation. It's, it's going yeah, to be a sad situation. A situation.
0: Yeah. Oh. Well, Paula Tompkins, um, we're at the end of our hour. Oh, my God. It, it just flew by. It really did. Um, but I am so thrilled that you came on. And then, and hopefully, you know, you'll come back on again some anytime, other time. Anytime. And, anytime. People should definitely listen to Pod F. Tompkins, which yes. is on iTunes. Your website is paulftompkins.com. Mm-hmm. And that is Tompkins with a T-O-M-P-K-I-N-S. There's no H. God love you. And the uh, and then your Twitter uh, account is P.F. Tompkins. That is correct. Um, all of these things are true. All of these things <laughs> are true. And then also on Facebook, people should should join the uh the Paula Tompkins 300s. Uh, yeah,
2: if you see if there's one in your town, uh, I'd love to come see you. Well, I should.
0: You know, I'm st- <laughs> I, I, this. By the time this goes up, I'll I'll be in beta testing for this social network called the Node. Which is oh. all about nerd sourcing, which is basically just crowdsourcing with nerds, <laughs> and so a lot of it will be stuff like, "Hey, let's get 300 people together and go see Paul," or "Let's awesome, let's make a thing and let's let's have a giant group nerd picnic." And you wow, know, it's just this all sounds about incredible. It should be it, hopefully it'll be fun.
2: I like that picnic idea too. You want to have a big picnic? Sure, I do with nerds.
0: Let's go have a picnic. <laughs>
2: nerd picnic. <laughs> all of your glasses are setting fire to the grass.
0: I call this dish bits and bites. B i t e s. Uh, it's just
2: alphabets. Oh,
0: <laughs> you got me. It's alphabets, but it's ones and zeros for every letter. Alpha <laughs> that. bits. Uh, yeah. alpha That's
2: right. Bits.
0: Binary bits. Binary bits. The end. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, sorry. The end. I remember, uh, I How do you come after binary bits? <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Nerdist Podcast number 33 with Paul F. Tompkins. And I'm already sick of doing that character voice. Uh, Hey guys, a couple things uh, before I let go of your ears. First of all, I will be performing stand-up comedy at Helium Comedy Club in Philadelphia, hometown of one Paul F. Tompkins, who you might know as recently as seconds ago. Uh, That'll be Wednesday through Saturday, August 25th through 28th. So coming on out to that. Say hi after the show, and I'll be like, hi, and you'll be like, hi, and I'll be like, see, we talked about this, and you'll be like, stuff comes true, or whatever. Uh, Also, if you're interested in getting information about the social network experiment, The Node, Then send us an email at node at nerdist.com. All right, thanks for listening to the Nerdist Podcast number 33. Have a superlative week. Now leaving
1: nerdist.com.